This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. I think you just heard us if you were listening on the, yeah, uh, on the loop there. So. But we are live right now. We this are. Is, we uh, are. The new morning show. Um, it was an interesting day yesterday, Matt. Uh, we've got to see uh, the Steelers in pads mm-hmm. for the first time. Uh, we could actually uh, see f- there were fans in the stadium as well. I think they sold or they 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 had uh, sixty four hundred or so tickets distributed. Okay, I don't know that there were sixty four hundred people in the stadium uh, watching it, the practice. It was a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It was you know the middle of the afternoon. There was all kinds of traffic issues. I, I oh, left, was there. Uh, pull back the curtain here. We're we're doing this uh, this morning uh, as as we have every day at our offices in Green our our yeah, studio TV in Green Tree. And, right, right. and then I leave here and I drive down to the stadium. Mm-hmm. So I always go down the backside of Green Tree Hill. I got over to the West End uh, West End yesterday to go across the West End Bridge. Every traffic light over there was out. It was out in the whole area. Wow. <laughs> 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 you don't realize how important traffic lights yeah, are until they, they, they do aren't a good working. Job, right? <laughs> I was thinking of those guys that coordinate them. How do they know how long to keep it green and then to switch to this one to red so you don't have all the traffic jams? I mean, there's some some math involved there. So, it, so some of the fans that tried to probably arrive late didn't get there on time or probably there was a good chance down. because I pulled out like I don't know what the main street is the the, this, the road that you go on to turn onto to get onto the West End Bridge. It leads you around the loop there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was backed up like it was game day. Wow. But I don't think it was fans trying to get it's down not, to the stadium. Even if it's 6,000 fans. I think it whatever, was just a regular right. traffic because then you couldn't go. Usually you can go right, right before you get to the West End Bridge and go loop around and get back onto 376. You get mm, on East yeah, Carson Street. Right, right, right. That's closed off. Ah. So everybody's being forced <laughs> across the West End Bridge, and you couldn't get there. I'm like, oh my God, what's yeah, <laughs> what's going on here? So I actually, I actually did a U-turn, swung back around, and went through the tunnel like. And that was, I, I assume, you went it was back quicker. to the tunnel. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bold move. It. Yeah, I wasn't going to go any. I could see I wasn't going to go you anywhere. Your future, if you stuck where you're at, huh? Yeah. So, but you got there on time. I got there in plenty of time. Yeah. Okay. In I'm fact, sure I got there in time that. to see that Najee Harris was no longer wearing a mask and was out of the. It wasn't. Didn't have the little yellow thing on his wrist for signifying that he was in still in the uh, oh, okay. or unvaccinated. Gotcha. So Good. obviously he had his vaccination. And now it's they they have to wait whatever. fourteen days. Before yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That's yeah. Good. So, so I guess the, that also affects yeah. all the NFL numbers across the league. This team is seventy percent. Well, they might have guys waiting on the fourteen day list yeah. still to boost that up. Yeah, but as I, I reported, I don't know, three weeks ago, the Steelers are over ninety percent. They're over the best in the league. Yeah, some of the teams are remarkably low to me, but I, I don't know. I don't feel like going down that road necessarily. Yeah. But man, I mean, it shocks me that some are as low as they are. It just you know the, the rules that are put in place make it very difficult. For teams to operate, if you've got a bunch of guys on the coach, to say are, the least, yeah, right. vaccinated. I mean, like you're going to sacrifice games and all sorts of things. To be honest with you, I mean, it, meetings, meetings, and games, and travel, and yeah, I mean, it, it's mind-boggling to me that every team's not at ninety by now. Yeah, um, but so we we saw a full practice that we could report what we saw. Yeah, I'm first really time in two years. To be there. I'm a little jealous. Um, they had backs on backers yesterday. Najee Harris. He won his reps. I had him winning. Uh, I, I think he had five reps. I had him winning four I of them. He got tested the most. 
but they tested him, but did they? I don't know that they really tested tested him. But nice if Vince Williams was around. Yeah, someone <laughs> of that nature. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, or Lawrence Timmons, or you know the guys. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Um, what they did was they matched the running backs up against the inside linebackers. Okay. And the outside linebackers went against the tight ends. Fair enough. Uh, the outside linebackers owned. I was. I bet that wasn't a very competitive match. It was not. I mean, I yeah. hope Fryermuth just didn't get embarrassed. He didn't get yeah. embarrassed, but he but wasn't. Don't expect him to win. No, he wasn't. <laughs> right? No, that, that's yeah. One on one against you know Alex Highsmith was not pretty. I'm sure Alex Highsmith had himself a day. Did he? Yeah, Did he, he was good. Um, but they put Najee Harris up against uh, Marcus Allen the first four times. He owned Marcus Allen. Um, that's promising. Yeah. I mean, it would be disappointed if it wasn't the other way around. Correct. Um, Harris, to me, pass blocking is going to be something we'll, as all rookies, I think will be a strength. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this or just something to keep an eye on. I thought he ducked his head a little bit in protection at Alabama. I'm sure, you know, that's been mentioned to him in the past. But yeah. he certainly has the size and the arm length and the desire which is the most important? That things, was that was the big know. thing. The desire was there. Uh, his first rep, Allen kind of again. I I think he did duck his head a little bit, and mm-hmm. Allen kind of got the better of him on the first one. I thought uh, Mike Pursuta disagreed. Okay, but it wasn't um, a clear win. It wasn't a clear win. The next three, he held him up pretty well. That was the th- you know in that drill. Um, you know, there's there's handfuls of padding, but you know. You're you're grabbing handfuls and things of that. Nature. I yeah, don't know yeah, if they. Would no be, one's calling holding. I don't know it? if it gets called. I don't know what you know what happens with that. Uh, but then but you the also f- don't have any protection either. I mean, right. You know, you're, it's you just you. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you know gap they're coming through necessarily. You know, it's it's. A yeah, they can actually favors. go anywhere they want. Yeah. It, it like really favors the defense. Favors the defense. Yeah. Because in a game, if that guy's coming up the middle, there he's got a very small lane. And you know the quarterbacks to my left, and yeah. I can drive them to the other side. Or right. right. I mean, you have some advantages. Right. Um. On his last rep, they put him up against Robert Spillane, okay. and he and he did a nice job against Robert Spillane as well. Good. I'd like to see him against Bush a lot more. Or yeah, Bush didn't do the drill. Yeah, yeah. But that was the other thing about it, is like Watts not doing it. Bush, Bush wasn't, isn't yeah, doing yeah, it. Vince isn't here. Yeah. yeah, right. So, um, so they went immediately from that last rep. Everybody, run, jog over to to here, and we're going to start the inside run drill. And so the first four carries were Najee Harris. So he went straight from, oh, wow. a, okay. straight from a pass blocking drill, fifty, yard, the other side of the 50 field. yards away, jogged down to the middle of the field. Let's do inside run. First four carries were, were Najee Harris. Okay, I so, bet that was not an accident. Right. It yeah, was. I'm it was sure very. Tomlin yeah. wants to say, "What's the best way I can figure out if this guy still has juice in the fourth quarter?" Yeah. Let's you let's test I mean? your conditioning here a little bit in football stuff. Yeah. Not just running gassers or whatever you know no yeah. that's interesting so he ran he still uh, have his pads down on that yeah. fourth carry you know so he got 12 yards on the first carry he broke uh he broke a tackle uh took three guys to get him on the ground they were tackling live okay now he, he carried some people he didn't carry them but he, he broke a tackle broke it out to his his left and then you know three guys uh converged on him and he kind of okay. you know moved him a little bit and, and went down for a 12 yard game yeah right right it was a nice run his next gain, I believe he got uh, another uh, – it was a one-yard gain. He got kind of stopped at the line of scrimmage, but mm-hmm. he fell forward. And then Alex Highsmith just completely blew up the next two runs. Really? I mean, he was in the backfield as, as Harris was taking the handoff. Wow. Um, beat Fryermuth and Dan, Dan Moore on the first one. Like, okay. just 
blew by them, the three-yard loss. And then the next one was a two-yard loss, the same thing. They, they tried to go to that side again, and Highsmith just blew it up. Wow. Um, and you said he was really good in backs on backers too. Which he was really good in backs on backers. backers yeah. Tight ends. Yeah. yeah. He, he. I mean, he just he beat Fryermuth and 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 Ebron. Ebron. Yeah. yeah. Uh, consistently, one on ones. You know, they did some some live one on ones. Not live, but they're in pads. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's actual. And again, he just owned whoever they put in front of him until. The last two reps, they put him up against Aviante Collins. Oh. And Aviante Collins did a nice job on him. Okay. Um, I mean, we may never mention that name again, but first day of padded practice is to get named against the guy who's wrecking, you know, shop for the whole defense. Okay. That, you know, that could be a guy to keep an eye on. I, I, I looked him up, uh, His stu- you know, did a little research on him. He came out in 2017 at a TCU. Ran a four eight one forty really at the combine. He was oh. the fastest the fastest offensive lineman at the combine. Then did thirty four reps on the bench. He was the second hmm. had the second most I don't reps. Know why I don't know bench. that name? I don't uh, remember any of that. He spent his previous three years were all with the Vikings. He's he's played in five games. He started one, but it, most of the time was spent on their practice squad. I'm like, he's one of those signings you pick up and like. No one thinks twice about it, but he has game experience, you know. As, right, as got game experience. And, right, He's right. been around the league for a while. So, tools, obviously. Yeah. Now, I don't know if, it, you know, maybe at that point, Highsmith's a little bit, you know, it was the last two reps of their practice. You know, was he a little tired and Collins was, sure. was more fresh? I don't know, but I, it put Collins on my on my radar a little bit. They've been playing him at left tackle. He's been the, the third string left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Chooks are, people don't know. I mean, that's how these things happen, like. Early in camp, oh, that's a nice play by that guy. Whatever you remember the number, yeah. And maybe you do a little. Then you watch him the next him. day. Okay, like, oh, okay. He's not embarrassing himself, or a coach happens to mention him three days from now, or boy, he's running with the twos in the Hall of Fame game. I didn't see that coming. You know, the, the, these guys study every rep. Every the position coach is on everything, so they brought him in for a reason. They didn't bring him in just because we need a warm body. You know, yeah. there was something they liked there, and if they can cultivate that, and you know, throughout camp. He makes a name for himself. Great. I mean, again, I'm not saying he's going to be the starting left tackle or anything, no, but, I no. mean, he's just a name to know. And, you know. That was the thing that uh, you have to take with a grain of salt. As I mentioned, um, they're still holding guys out there. They still haven't had their entire starting offensive line out there. Chooks of for still not mm-hmm. not uh, doing anything in padded. Kevin Dotson still. But like, super injured, right? Yeah. You know, no, no, it's not right. that, you know, Mike Tomlin keeps saying, oh, that, you know, they'll, they'll be out here at some point. And, again, the Steelers are looking at this first week as bonus. Yeah, as I said, they have more time than everybody yeah. else, right? You know, I think, you know, after the Hall of Fame game, you'll see those guys start, start to, to really ramp up. Ramp it up. Play but, with the ones and right. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of, look, you know, when the, when the defense is out there um, and Harris breaks off that, that first run, it's like, okay, Terrell Edmonds wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't let him do any of the of the padded live tackling stuff. He's recovering from, I think, a shoulder or something okay. like, you know, that he had late last year. Again, not a big concern, but no. just precautionary. Yeah, uh, to it's still not out there. Those mm-hmm. kind of things that that uh, you know you, you look at. Uh, they didn't they did allow Bush to play, but he didn't and, do backs on backers. But he, he didn't do team. backs on backers. But when they went live, okay, he did some of that. Good. So. Um, you know, you're getting getting to that point. Uh, we'll see how it goes today. Uh, but my take not a bad showing like by Harrison and Highsmith. I know. Yeah, that. I was say uh, that's the way that I felt. Uh, just construing your thoughts there, 
It looked like Harris held his own in protection. You know, he didn't block Lawrence Taylor, but yeah, know, I mean, and he looks good running the football. Well, and as and Mike Tomlin said, on his own. you know, he's he's a very willing guy. The the first rep when, um, uh, when he got, I, I don't want to say beaten, but it was it was not. I don't know that he expected what the drill to be what it was. Okay, that's the first time he's ever done it. In his first life, time he's yeah, ever right. done it. And usually, he's the guy struggle when the first time that they do it. He immediately called for him to run it back again. No, really? On his own. He'd like, hey, let's do that again. again yeah. yeah. So, you know. He, That's what you want to see. As Tomlin said, he was a willing participant. And, uh, you know. I'm sure a lot of our listeners understand this. But when you're the top recruit in the country, you probably didn't pass block a lot in high school. Yeah. Even at Bama, where everybody has to pay their dues, you're still a superstar. And most of these guys, uh, I mean, the coach's job is to win games. If you have Ladanian Tomlinson, you you run him on a pass pattern, or you hand him the football. You don't have him block a linebacker. You know. What Speaking I mean? of that, they go seven shots to open practice as they always do. do. The second play, you know, the first play, they try a, a they try a, a pass from Roethlisberger to Chase Claypool on the left side of the end zone. Cam okay. Sutton breaks it up. Nice against against Chase Claypool again, a six foot four wide receiver. Yeah, right, 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 right. Gets up, knocks the ball loose. Okay, nice play. Yeah. Good. The second play, Roethlisberger motions Harris out to the left, out to the outside of the receivers. Okay. He didn't get deep enough, so he, he motions him a little bit more. Still not, still not out as still far not as quite where he wants him. Right. Roethlisberger motions him out again, and then hits him on a slant. Nice. Um, after the, re- the receivers clear it out, boom, he comes up. He comes underneath. That's why him. I wanted the width. He's got Bush on him. Okay. Man coverage. Man coverage. Bush is in position to make the play. Uh, Harris screens him off, catches the football, touchdown. Wow. Wow. I mean, and the negative spin is, I wish Bush was two inches taller and had longer arms. I don't think being taller would have helped. But I just love the idea of him, because I've seen him catch fade balls from from that situation, like outside the numbers down near the red zone. But to also have the slant, you know, those are the two complementary routes at at that area. It's pretty impressive, you know, to get your shoulders to the point where you can box that guy out by still being on the move and still make the catch. It's, it's enticing. I don't know that there are any linebackers. I, I don't know what you do to stop that. Yeah, yeah. Because, you're, I mean, again, he's coming underneath the, the receivers who are clearing it out. There's Probably a, a little up on the one inch a little natural pick there. Yeah, yeah. But Bush, was in, yeah, Bush was in position, and, and Harris just beat him on it. Interesting. Yeah, it's good to see from Sutton as well. I'm, I'm not worried about Bush at that situation. Don't get me wrong. But it sounds like Harris is everything he's lived up to be. You know, kind of what we thought. And I keep harping on this, too. Like, I'm not sure our listeners know what he might bring in the passing game. You know, the yeah. dynamic plays, the wow plays, and the consistency of his receiving ability. I, I just wonder if, if this whole thing brings the two-point conversion back into play. The Steelers haven't done a mm-hmm. whole lot of it the last few years. Yeah. But throw in Fryerman. Yeah, when they had a lot of red zone. When they had Le'Veon Bell at the height of his powers, first score of the game was often two point conversion. Was often two. Yeah, they didn't need to go for two, but they just did. Set the tone with it. I liked it too. I mean, if it's if it's over fifty percent, I mean, I guess the math tells you you should do it because not like every extra point goes in. Right. You know, most do, but not everyone. Yeah, I mean, Boswell's missed some every year. Every a lot of kickers do now since they moved it back. Mm -hmm. You're kicking so many of them. It's not like yeah, it's not a gimme anymore. You know, right? So. No, I think that's a great spot for and them to improve. With it. their defense, you know, being down eight points right out of the gate. Oh, that's a trendsetter. Yeah. Where, 
if it's if you're down six, it's not like okay. I'm, yeah. It's not like you're still. But if you're down it. eight, now all of a sudden the other team goes. Ooh, Start pressing. Yeah. If we give up yeah. another one of those and, yeah. and we're down sixteen, maybe we have to go for it on fourth when we don't want to. Or, yeah. yeah. Like you shouldn't change your tone, but it's just human nature. Yeah. No, just, that's an interesting point. We should probably touch on that more. Yeah, we should. Um, we, let's do that when we get back. Mm-hmm. He is uh, Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lolly. You're listening to the Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, we're going to be back with more right after this. Tune to the drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, uh, we're talking about uh, the possibilities because of of, uh, the addition of Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. Um, What that could mean for the Steelers offensively in terms of going for two, which could also, again, it affects your defense. Oh, yeah. And how you play things. The game and right. Um, um, a couple notes. I, I mean, I just think that Tomlin has shown a very aggressive nature in doing so. You know, not when the, the chart tells you you should go for two, but to set, set the tone in the game. You would know this better than I, but I guess, well, maybe you wouldn't because you don't go to 31 other practices. But it seemed like in those Lev Bell days, they practiced two-point – more than most teams. Well, they do and, it every day, and they do the, the yeah the, the seven, seven shots, shots is basically every the day. same thing. So that's uh, it's probably hundred percent true. Harris, as we mentioned, first of all, it's not quite short yardage. It's not Jerome picking up half a yard to you know to, to seal a touchdown or whatever, but he's a, a very good short yardage runner. So I think their run package from that alignment or from that distance is going to be improved just from the ball carrier, even if the line struggles. We've seen, you know, end arounds and jet motions with Claypool and some of these guys work in those type of instances as well. So if you do, if you rep that more and you're better at it, uh, I got to think that you have more success. You mentioned that Sutton broke up a Claypool play, but that doesn't mean him to stop throwing fades to Claypool. No, <laughs> you no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a weapon down there. I mean, in that situation, um, you know, we don't know whether you know they said hey, uh, you know Cam, we're we're going to throw a fade here, or if he just read it, and or he just right. Yeah. But either way, I mean Claypool's still going to be a guy. I'm going to throw the ball up for grabs and, and let him go up and be big. And I think we'd be even better at it in the second season. Um, and I don't know how much Fryermuth will play in those situations, but part of me thinks, well, I mean that the famous play where Ebron couldn't get in the way of Chase Young. I bet Fryermuth at least gets in the way, and we know Fryermuth has a great history of finding the end zone at the college level with a big catching radius and soft hands. So I think he's a weapon down there too. So, um, you know, and, and I also think they have a better ability now to roll out a, a sixth offensive lineman and muscle their way in. Yeah, I mean, I think there there are a lot of different options, and, and I think. There's a lot of approaches they could take. Again, going for two, especially early in the game. Um, now, there have been some instances where Mike Tomlin did it uh, and they didn't get it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're going to be criticized. And, of course, for, everybody kills you for yeah. it. But, you know, nobody kills you for it if the, extra, if the when you, kicker when it misses works. an extra point. Yeah, when it works. Right. Um, 
so I just wonder if that if this whole situation with with Najee Harris brings that back into play, makes it a a weapon. Yeah, the two point conversion becomes a weapon, more of a tactic that they lean on as opposed to. Eh, I don't have as much quite as much confidence in this situation. We'll just take the one. Again, I mean, if they think they can convert on fifty five percent of those two point conversions. In the end, you're going to be up. I mean, there might be a game that you're 0 for 4 and you lose by 2 and everyone kills you, but there might be three games that you win by 1 that nobody thinks twice about it to kill you. you and know that's, I mean? the, that, you know, that's the line that the coaches walk. I, right. I know uh, same with onside kicks, same with, Going with four any decisions that yeah, you make. Right, and it, right, it goes back to... You know, the one time it doesn't work, you hear about it tenfold of the ones that do. It's like going for it on fourth and one, and you don't make. You know, go for it on fourth and one from your own forty, mm-hmm. and you don't make it. Right, you're going to get killed. What are you doing? If right. you make it, oh, you're a genius. You're a genius. You yeah, know? absolutely. And these are the decisions that have to be made um, in, in a split second with mm-hmm. you know seventy thousand screaming fans, and and uh, you got thirty oh, seconds you to make the call. You don't have a whole lot of time to do yeah. it, and. Your quarter, your left tackle's limping off the field at the time, and you're like, is he going to be in this next play or yeah. not? Or, you and know, that's right. the thing, you know. What uh, personnel is the defense going to give us? I, I can't remember. Did we talk about it earlier this year on this show about that particular phase of this? I, I've, I've seen or read it somewhere. A guy, somebody was talking about so much of that is dependent upon. I know that the analytics says, you know, you get the card, and the analytics says, you know, you should go for it. It's funny because I was 60% about to bring of this the time. up because, you know, the, these last couple months, we've seen a million lists and there's been head coaching rankings and the analytics. This has been my biggest problem with the head coaching rankings that I've read from all the analytics sites because they all cite willingness to go for it on fourth down. And I understand the analytics tell you this, that. The more aggressive you are on fourth down, the better, as a rule of thumb. That doesn't mean you should go for it 100% of the time. Right. But, you know, as a rule, analytics folks think head coaches are way too conservative on fourth down. Okay, that's fine. In a nutshell, that's absolutely fine. But if you're doing head coaches and ranks and you're consistently mentioning that, like let's say, for example, Mike Tomlin wins the Super Bowl this year, he retires, and the Rooney's have to fire a new coach. And I sit down with 10 head coaches Willingness to go for it on fourth down is way down is the list. Fortieth thing on yeah. my list of if I'm hiring a new head coach. You know what I mean? Like, come on. What's the game situation? Where are we at on the I mean, field? There's just more important head coaching things to do. What's my defense doing right. in this game? Right, exactly. You know, my center's getting killed. Right, and I don't have an outside running game. Yeah, you know, like how am I going to pick up this yard? Or how, you know what I mean? So. Uh, those things are are hard for me. In his, in his even cr- like Belichick used to be super aggressive. This last year or two, he's been very conservative. So he, now it's he's a not different first, team. Yeah. So now these analytics folks, well, Andy Reid's been more aggressive, so he should be one, and Belichick yeah. should be two, and is the best head coach. Well, in was the it league. two years ago? Harbaugh went for him a lot. Yeah. When he had Lamar, okay, he and they last year, a very high last number. year not as much, right? Because that, remember that was the year that the Ravens lost to the Titans in the playoffs. Because they went for it on fourth in that game, the wild card game. And they like, didn't get it. Like five times. Yeah. It happened to be 0 for 5 in that game. Yeah. And everyone's, oh, Lamar can't win the big one. But that's all it takes. That's all it takes. There was a game, I believe it was in, in in 2015, the Steelers went for it on, or they went for a two point conversion. 2014, they were 4 for 4. Okay. 2015. I've been in a lot of those situations where when they were losing late yeah. game, situational. 2015, they were 8 for 11. Wow. On two-point conversions. we're shooting for over 50% here, basically. It's 72%. 
you're you're way ahead of you're the game. You're way ahead of the game, yeah. right? It, that's the essentially you you made sixteen out of eleven, so you came up five points ahead. Yeah, that's what you say. Okay, yeah. you're plus five. The next year in twenty sixteen, three of nine. So now mm. you came out on the on the yeah, negative I heard, side. Yeah, I heard, yeah. So there were I think there was a game in there where, where Tomlin went for it early on on the two point conversion. They didn't get it. I think they ended up being over two or over three, maybe even four in that game. Okay. And they kind of took him away from that, like, you know. You get gun shy. You get a little gun shy. Right. Same thing with Harbaugh. Harbaugh was the most aggressive coach in the league going for it on fourth down two years ago. Mm-hmm. You get stopped five times in the playoffs and you lose the game. Right. Oh, yeah. You, now you're going to scale it back a little. Maybe I was getting a little too aggressive there. I got I to gotta knock this back a yeah. little bit. So the last few years. people. The other thing, people get the game plans on you, too. They know right. what your go-to plays are in those crucial situations. Yeah, if you're going to do like, it all the time. Like, people think that these guys have playbooks that are like the Manhattan phone book. You, you, know, only, that, you can only rep so much stuff right. during the week. I mean, I guarantee this. every team, their two-point conversion sheet is a handful of their favorite calls. And by week 10 or the following year, you've used them all. <laughs> and every defense knows they're coming, but they're still your best plays, you know. So it's not like we're going to choose from 30 different plays because then you're not good at it. It, it's it the, goes back to what we have initially started this conversation with, the fact that Najee Harris, you said, okay, I've seen him run fades yeah, down right. there. And then he has a slant now. And, and now he has a slant in his repertoire. Yeah. I'm assuming he can do a little, you know, three yards down and turn around. I mean, everybody sure, can do sure. that. But if they have different things that you can do off of that, because if you just run, if you just run the fade down there every time, well, the defense could, you know, maybe the quarterback makes the perfect throw mm-hmm. on one of those and you can't stop it. But you can defend the fade; you just play his outside shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you still got to win the win the ball in the air, yeah. but it makes it a heck of a lot harder. I mean, I was very, very fortunate to witness this firsthand with Larry at Pitt. I mean, we could have. I mean this wholeheartedly. We could have put it up on the scoreboard when we were on the five-yard line. We're throwing a fade to Larry Fitzgerald in the corner of the end zone, and it didn't matter if it was Pac-Man Jones or Dante Hall or any of the good corners we played against. Larry was coming down with that thing. Yeah. But by his second year, we'd throw the slant to him once in a while, too, and the corner would be like in the corner of the end zone. <laughs> like he's just playing fade forever. Yeah. And Larry's still going to win the fade. Because that's what you do. But he, wins, he throws that quick slant. He's all alone. I mean, yeah. Rutherford could have, like, underhanded it to him. You know, yeah. it was crazy. Um, you don't have those advantages in the NFL. You don't have the right. fifth pick in the draft again. You know? Yeah, the fifth the pick in the draft against, against some guys who's going to be, right. you know, working in an insurance firm in two weeks. <laughs> right. And the Steelers running back isn't going to abuse corners like that. But, you know. So we've really seen, you know, starting with that 2014 season. Before that, Tomlin from 2007 through 2013 – Never went for two more than twice in a year. Wow, okay. That 2015, and I bet nobody really was back then either. I think it was the 2015 season where they really started making it. Uh, that might be where they, when they moved the uh, – that was the year they moved – That's when they moved the kick – The, the PAT back. Yeah, so then it became an option. Like, if we're only going to make 80% of these, maybe if we get to 55 or whatever on the two-pointers, I'm not doing very good math here, then it's worth our time. Yeah. Uh, but 2016, three of nine. 2017, two of four. 2018, four out of five. Hmm. 2019. I would have thought those numbers were higher, too, to be honest with you. 2019, 0 for 1. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Because of who you had a quarterback yeah, all yeah, season long. It's not a weapon right. for you anymore. Right. Now it's a necessity thing. Right. Yeah, just just I'll, I'll take Boz in the one. Yeah. Last year, they were 2 of 4 okay. on two-point conversions. I wonder if 
that I becomes, bet they're at eight or nine this year. I'll attempts. bet you it becomes more of a weapon this year. Yeah. Now that you've got again, you look back the last season that they had uh Le'Veon Bell was what, twenty seventeen? No, twenty yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Twenty seventeen. out eighteen. Those three years when Le'Veon Bell, four years really, if you go twenty fourteen, four attempts, eleven attempts, nine attempts, four attempts. Mm-hmm. When when Le'Veon Bell is at the height of his powers. Hmm. It's a it's a it's a small thing in the scheme of things. But like you said, I mean, over those four years, that's probably twenty more points you've scored. I wonder if the analytics folks that say you shouldn't take running backs in the first round factor in things like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, I mean, you can make strong arguments that running backs are replaceable, all those things. But if I go for two more because I have a Bell or a Harris or, or a go for it on fourth down, more. right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how you would. I, I'm not analytically or mathematically inclined to figure out how you'd even do that. But I bet those people don't factor those things in. Probably not. They right. just uh, this is what you do, and you you can get those running backs Here's later. The results and right because right. that was the that was the argument we heard all the time. Well, you can get a running back anywhere in the draft. Well, yeah, you can get a running you can back. Get someone that plays a position. Is he that guy? No. Right. He's <laughs> Connor, McFarland, Snell, Samuels. There's less of a guarantee. <laughs> right, and those guys have had. That's some a th- you know promise, I, again. I I did the the research into this on the number of backs, the thousand yard backs who were drafted in the first three rounds versus the 1,000-yard the backs who have been drafted later. That Yeah, you can find 1,000-yard mm-hmm. backs later in the draft. It happens. Does, there's no guarantee. Right, right. I mean, trust me, when the Jags signed James Robinson for aging contract, they weren't like, oh, our back problem solved. <laughs> no. And then they drafted one next year in the first that round. was that a necessity. <laughs> right, right. You know, he his James Robinson's 1,000-yard season last year was more about – Opportunity than anything else. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he wasn't. He wasn't their starter carries, when they opened right. camp. He wasn't going to be the starter. Who was the guy? Who was the guy going to? It was, uh, and he got COVID. Armstead, right, yeah, right, Quill Armstead, right, Quill Armstead. They liked, to their credit, they liked those two enough to say, Fournette, I'm done with your nonsense. Right. We're going to cut you. So, and they knew they weren't winning any games. But that could have been right. Fournette's out there, and he's on social media, and he's he's insulting their owner and doing yeah. things like that. He wanted out. Oh, they, they wanted to get rid of they him. They just wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, they, it was addition by subtraction. Yeah. yeah, they wanted to get rid of him. Um, and a lot of Robinson's yards, even though he's a he was a it was a nice story, it was a successful story. They were losing by twenty, and he was getting carried. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he did a lot of work versus like it boxes was a little bit and, of Joe you know, Mixon a couple of years ago yeah. when you're you know. They're in the fourth quarter. You're down 18 points. You're just trying to get out of the game, and you're handing the ball off to Mixon just to get out of the game. Mm-hmm. Eat up clock. I, I mean, I, this is a different level. And I, I think you may have even done the study. If you didn't, no big deal. But all the running backs in the Hall of Fame, there's a super high percentage of first-round picks. Yeah. You know, there's like Terrell Davis and a bunch of first-rounders. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis Martin was a third because he yeah. had a, a knee. And, yeah. You know, Frank Gore. But Jerome Bettis he, was a first-round draft pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, every, he was like, what was he, the third pick in the draft. And I know times have changed, but O.J. goes, you know, super high, and Earl Campbell, and, I mean, all these guys. I mean, uh, there's less of a – running backs are less important now than those days. Here's the thing. But the great ones stand if, out. If O.J. Simpson or Earl Campbell are coming out in today's NFL, in today's draft, if, yeah. if O.J. Simpson, Walter Payton, who, you name them, are coming yeah. into the league next year, they're high first-round draft picks. They're high first-round picks. <laughs> I mean, if Barkley comes out again, yeah, that he's, guy. he's a high Ezekiel first-round Elliott. Pick. Right. You know, those guys get drafted high. I still think even a McCaffrey, because he's such a good receiver. Yeah, yeah I, I do too. I absolutely do. You know, Kamara didn't get drafted that high because he shared time in Tennessee. 
Oh, yeah. He, he wasn't was, a full-time player. He wasn't the starter for a lot. Yeah. Jalen Hurd, who's a receiver now, was a starter ahead of him for a while. Yeah. Tennessee also It goes back to the Antonio had. Gibson thing. Like, right. Tennessee also was a little dysfunctional and didn't know what they had in the guy, too. Yeah. You know? But that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's examples. You know, third-rounders, but... They're the outliers. They're, they're the not the outliers norm. of the great ones. Yeah. You know, Dickerson. And, I mean, you go on and on and on. Look at the Hall of Fame running backs. They're all super high picks. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and uh, so, I'm... You know, Mike Tomlin said yesterday, we can all we can all talk ourselves into thinking that our running back issues are solved because we got that, you know, we used that, a first-round pick on that guy, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've seen what we've seen thus far. But we're still going to – We're still going to play it he out. He likes what he's seeing, but he's going to keep tapping the brakes on this because that's what he does. That's what he does. <laughs> but then – I don't. I've never been behind stage with those guys. But then you get back in the coach's room, like, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> you can read. A, you can read hall, his face know? and right, the way right. he's he's reacting to I things. We, I think we got one. Yeah. They're very happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna take another break here. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lolly. You're listening to the Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, we'll be back with more right after this. Tune to the drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back to the drive. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson. Matt, I was listening to a uh, fantasy football show on the way home last mm-hmm. night. And they were talking about wide receiver targets. Okay. Being a, uh, I don't want to make this a fantasy football segment. I, I'll give me some slack here. And I'll show you where we're going with this. <laughs> Targets being a big indicator of success for wide receivers. Yes, there were three wide receivers last year who had ten games or more with ten or more targets. Okay, I bet Deontay was one of them. Deontay Johnson was one of the three in the league. The other guys were were it was like uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Trying to think who else would be maybe Adams on a good day. Adam, it was Adams. It was Adams, Hopkins, and Deontay and Johnson. Johnson. Okay. Adams, Hopkins, and DeAndre Johnson. <laughs> right. Deontay pretty Johnson. Good, pretty good company. Let me say this again: Adams, Hopkins, and Deontay Johnson. Yeah. All right. Let me start there. First of all, the one little negative is I do think the Steeler pass attempts overall will go down a little bit. I mean. It's why Harris is here, yeah. and we get all that. Um, but I also believe that without question, Johnson will be once again the most targeted player on the field. And every time I was brought on radio outside, you know, uh, talking fantasy or whatever, who's the number one in Pittsburgh? Johnson, <laughs> Look at the targets. Right. I mean, I know he missed some time here and that's there. That's the thing. That's a th- his targets are very consistent. Ten targets. I'm gonna. I got his his season in front of me here last year. Everybody focused on the drops. Okay. Yeah. Let me stop you then. Okay. Because first of all, why targets are so important for production are targets are earned. Like we're sitting here watching NFL Network right now, and Devontae Smith is on the field. They target him because he was open all the time. You know, right? It's not. (laughs) They don't throw it to you when you're covered. Right. You know, (laughs) targets are earned. You know, more so than anything. I mean, like a highly targeted receiver coming out of um, college is a great indicator as opposed to. They're 40 times. Yeah. You know, like 40 times doesn't mean you get targets. And if you get targeted a lot, you drop more than the average bear, you know, especially if they're in the short 
five yards, six, seven yards off the line of scrimmage where you're going to get blasted. Wes Welker got targeted more than anyone in the league, and he always led the league in drops. Nobody remembers that part, yeah. you know? Drops are a product of being targeted. That, and that seems to be the only thing people remember about Deontay Johnson. I know. Season Jerry Judy's dealing with that right now, too. Yeah. You know, and, and oh, by the way, his quarterback didn't wasn't super accurate with a lot of those throws. So he had 10 targets in the opener, yeah. 13 targets in the second game. Then he got hurt early against Houston. See, some remember. of these games he didn't play 16 Two minutes. targets in right. that game. One target the next game. Same thing. He was kind of like. He was out there, but I think... It was, I think he was limping around and stuff, Yeah, too. he got, I think remember, returning but... a punt, and he got hit in the back in the game yeah, against, yeah, yeah, yeah. against the Eagles and left that game. So three targets combined in those two games. Came back 15 targets against Tennessee. Then he got hurt again. He had three targets against Baltimore in the first one. After that, if you look at his targets, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 16, 13, 12, 7 against Buffalo, because thir- remember he got benched for a period of time... In that yeah, one. right, right, right. Uh, 13, 14, and then four in the, in the finale against Cleveland. Yeah. It was very consistent what was happening there. I would love to know his targets per snap numbers compared to the whole league. I mean, I guess I bet they're top three or four as well. He was on pace. Because the snap, I mean, there were stretches there. He just didn't play yeah. snaps. If he know? plays all 16 games and plays all the, all the way through, he finishes the season with over 160 targets. Yeah. By design. By design. Because they're earned. Because and he he's finishes, open. If he gets to the 160 targets, he finished last year with 88 catches. He'll be at 120. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. Even yeah. if he has 10 drops. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, well, and hopefully hopefully his dot goes up a little. You know, his average depth of target. Right. Um, and not that other guys aren't deserving of targets. And I think that pie is going to be a little smaller, as we mentioned. So maybe it's 145 targets. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, but he's probably going to be over 100 catches, and he's not Antonio Brown, but they don't use him much differently. I mean, this offense has featured a guy at at all levels as the number one. It's him. It's him. It's him. Yeah. Right. I don't know why the rest of the world doesn't know this. And I think Claypool is their Martavis Bryant, but a so, better version. But well, a better version. A more Martavis polished. Was really good. But I mean, a more polished version, I think. More more reliable. More, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they wanted Sammy Coates to be that guy, yeah. you know. But yes, he's that role without question. He's just two hundred thirty-five pounds. You yeah, know? Bryant was to me was super impressive, and maybe even more gifted than all these guys, but not quite as reliable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, his ability to run by people at the NFL level oh. was it contort his body and yeah, you know, yeah. He he had rare physical gifts from birth, and then Juju, if he's your slot, and maybe he will play outside more and. He's better than the usual slots they've had, too, Yeah, without question. Yeah, so it, it could be a, a pretty dangerous passing game. I expect it to be. Yeah. I think it's going to be better than it was last year. I, I, get, I keep going back to the fact that Roethlisberger was less than a year removed from mm-hmm. his surgery when the season started last year. Yeah. He hadn't, he'd been throwing a football for less than a year when they played their playoff game. Right, right. Wow. That's a good way of putting it. And a lot of it, to me, depends – on the ability to protect, to expand on the short passing game, you know, which has nothing to do with Ben. Well, I guess it does, but, I mean, all protection has something to do with the quarterback. But if the line's really a problem and longer developing plays are a problem, I still like the ability to keep Harris and Fryermuth in as opposed to what they were playing with last and year. And take your and chances with those three receivers, concept. yeah. Right. I mean, you still got three good players out in, out in the route. And, after, and again, after – 
after Harris, you know, chips somebody or does whatever he's, you know, what he's doing in the past game, you can leap, yeah. you can leak out and, and mm-hmm. dump it off to him, and he can get you eight yards. Yeah, yeah, that's my famous flag football play: is everybody go deep <laughs> and little Benny, the running back, yeah. you stay close in case things don't go well. You know, yeah, it works out well. Yeah, so uh, you know, but, but I think Deontay Johnson. I brought this up because. Um, on NFL.com, uh, Greg Rosenthal does good work for them. Yeah, he does. Uh, listed the breakout candidates around the uh, how did he how did he title this? It was candidates to make the leap for uh, leap from each team, each AFC team. Okay. And for the Steelers, it's Deontay Johnson, and you're talking about a guy making the leap who had 88 catches last year. See, I wondered if he means this could be a Pro Bowl player. You know, this could be a. Here's what he says. Okay. You have to get open a lot to drop the ball as much as Johnson did in 2020. Because targets are earned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while the, streak, the streakiness is frustra- or was, or was frustrating, Johnson makes too many excellent hand catches and grabs in tight traffic to believe he's destined to struggle with drops forever. In a league increasingly reliant on man coverage, Johnson's ability to beat one-on-one matchups is nearly unmatched, mm-hmm. as our old friend Matt Harmon loves to point out. No, I'm glad you brought up Matt Harmon. Yeah. yeah. I'll take the... Th- the 2019 third round rounder over Chase Claypool is the Steelers' number one wideout this year, and I'll take Johnson to go over 1,200 yards in his third pro season. I agree. I agree with all that. And to expand on it, I have a quick question for you because my memory serves me that there was like a three game stretch where Johnson struggled to catch the football. I mean, yeah, that's it what it was. Like all it was, their drops. It was late in the years. It was the I think it was the Baltimore, Washington, Buffalo game where okay. he really struggled. And Buffalo was kind of the. He dropped like his first three passes in that game. Did you say Baltimore, Washington, Buffalo? I mean, yeah, three great defenses. Was yeah, my first impression. But, but the okay. Buffalo game, if you remember, he dropped, he dropped, I think a quick screen pass, then he dropped a little slant that would have gone mm-hmm. for a first down. I mean, I think it was, and in then his they benched him. Point. They, right. they sat yeah, him yeah, out yeah. the rest of the first half. Okay. Then they came back to him in the second half, and he finished with four catches uh, on seven targets for forty yards. But that was after struggling, sitting out. Okay, you, yeah, you need to take some time out here and just. Yeah, you know, it's in your head now. So what I'm saying is, I'm not excusing it away, but he had a slump. Yeah, you know, he had a slump there in the middle of the year where the a majority of his drops, Each, about half of his drops, came in those three games. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying it's an anomaly; it could happen again. But I think it's encouraging that they all happen at one time. That he have a thumb problem we didn't know about. I mean, I'm not making excuses for the guy, but the fact that they all happen in one stretch, it was in his head. Um, you mentioned Matt Harmon. I'm sure there's a lot of people that aren't familiar with him. He worked for NFL net, or NFL for one uh, network for a while. He's worked. At, he's now at Yahoo. He has his own site called Reception Perception, and he goes and he watches almost every snap of every receiver, and especially the guys, including the guys coming out of college. And he's been doing it for five, maybe even up to ten years. And one of the biggest indicators he's seen of success is ability to beat man coverage. And Deontay's near the top of the league. Yeah. If beating man coverage, I mean, and and the, his short area quickness is special. It's great. Yeah. He he you know he doesn't get muscled off the ball even though he's not Claypool like strength and size. He has great release, hand usage. It's almost like a pass rusher getting off the line of scrimmage. And going back to my scouting days, the first thing I was told when I was employed by the Browns by both the wide receivers coach and the corner coach was. Watch every snap of man coverage at the college level when you're everyone. The zone ones, you'll it's gonna be hard to find press man because that's that's what makes the separates the big guys from the the little guys up here. Because if there's a quickly 
the book is if you can beat this guy up the line of scrimmage, he can't get off, you're doomed. And, yeah. it, again, Harmon really has a great history of this guy kills man coverage. I mean, he has some guys like Stefan Diggs early in his career and Allen Robinson and guys that were, you know, really got better when their quarterbacks improved. And Johnson's very much in that mold. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason. That's that's the reason why he gets the target. He digs a little bit the more I think about it. Yeah. Good route runner, sharp out of his breaks, not the biggest, strongest, you know. Yeah. Um, if he takes that kind of jump. Right. I mean, know. I don't know if he's going to lead the league in receptions or like digs, but, I mean, over 100 is not well, if he, crazy. If he averages 10 targets a game. He only played 15 games last year total, mm-hmm. and he missed Two large of portions of those. A couple of those, yeah. I mean, he's averaging 10 targets a game, essentially. Yeah, right. That's rare. That's rare, as we talked about to open the segment. There are only three guys who did it last year mm-hmm. consistently. And they're like two of the best guys in the league. Yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't be surprising to see Deontay Johnson make that kind of yeah. leap here. Again, he caught he caught sixty one point one percent of his passes thrown his way last year. Okay. I expect that number to go up. Yeah, but I also hope that more of them are twenty, thirty yards downfield yeah. too. You know, makes it more difficult. But again, he's you know, if, if he's But doing, I don't think the drops will be as I don't think the drops percentage. will be there. I think that, you know, he, if he catches more, he averaged 10 and a half yards a catch last year, which mm-hmm. I bet that goes up. I bet it goes up. Yeah, I think that's – I'm more worried about that going up than the drops staying a, an issue. Yeah. So I, I just think he could be a, a, an extreme weapon in this offense. Yeah. And earlier – last week we talked to Chase Claypool, and I asked him specifically, I said, did you see as the season went on more defenses rolling the safety to your side? He goes, oh, absolutely. Is the seat, you know, when teams kind of figured out I was the, you know, I'm the deep I'm guy. I'm the deep guy, right. Um, I saw that, you know, more safety help over the top and that kind of thing. Well, if that's happening to him, yeah, that means Johnson's getting a lot more one on one coverage. My biggest problem with the, the passing game outside the short zones, it seemed like to me, and looking at some of the heat maps after the fact, Every deep ball is to Claypool down the right side. Down line. the right side line. Not like I mean, there's this stretch of you know the, the outside the numbers on the right, all the way down the field, and then there's a stretch, you know, within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and then there's this big square that isn't being attacked in the middle of the field and the left hash, that everyone had to catch on to. You yeah. know, I think I think that changes this year. I think that you're has gonna. To. I think gonna, there's something to do with that, you yeah. know. And you'll see those receivers moving around. I don't know how much – again, they had 14 practices to get ready for the season. Mm-hmm. No offseason oh, at right. all. Once you get into the season, you're not necessarily, well, we got to keep developing Claypool here so he can move around mm-hmm. and do those kind of things. And there, if you remember, there was a stretch there late in the season where – they didn't play him as much. And people were going, why aren't they playing Claypool as much? Well, Rookie Wall or whatever. Yeah. I hearing about. They may have, you know, he had, Mike Tomlin, I, I, at least he used to, have these guys take tests, pregame tests, mm-hmm. on their assignments that day. If you didn't do well on the test, right, they weren't going to play as much. When I that happened, I thought Tomlin's just going to say, you know, he said we're avoiding the rookie wall. That's him taking arrows from the media, you know. What, he hasn't hit the wall yet, Coach. You don't know what you're talking about. Probably there's something going on behind the scenes, yeah. and Tomlin just will take the arrow for him. I mean, if you remember, Claypool was playing special teams. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, he's, he's he's running. He's all, never played that many games in his life. He's running go routes like crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> last note. I don't know if we even have time for it though. But most teams get their number one in the slot and scheme things up for them a lot. Juju's talked about wanting to play outside. 
I bet we see less static formations where Claypool's the deep guy, Ju- yeah. Juju's a slot, Johnson's the go-to guy, you know, X, Y, you know, X, Z receivers or whatever. And not because Juju wants to play outside, but you start, you know, devising route concepts. You're trying to get your Johnson guy in the, in the yeah. slot. Canada's talked about up. this. I want to get the right matchups. I want to get matchups sure. that are that work for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, that, that's all part of it. Yeah, I mean, if Johnson can line up at the slot too against slot corners, and he's getting open against you know the top guys on the outside, and you're giving him slot corners, he's going to beat them up too. You know? Yeah, so interesting. It should be interesting. We'll continue to keep options. an eye on it. A lot of options there on offense. Washington's not a bad player. Yeah, you know, it goes, right. goes back to what we talked about, the two-point conversions. Yeah. You know, see, so, anyways, we're going to take another break. That's going to do it for the first hour here of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. We'll be back with Hour 2 right after this.